we are on air for Auto Club NASCAR Race Review, along with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 9.30 p.m. tonight, that's Eastern Time. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala, for the night. Uh, but in our first half hour, we're going to give you a few updates from the uh, series that did not race this past weekend, including the NASCAR Truck Series and the Arkham Menard Series uh, in the, uh, the East and West. And we'll also uh, give a few updates from short track racing. There's some interesting news that came out in the past week uh, as it relates to short tracks. So uh, looking forward to talking about that. We'll also give you... Uh, the review of the Xfinity Series at Auto Club Speedway during this first half hour. So there's a lot to talk about in the first half hour. Nine o'clock, our guest comes on board, Joe Graff Jr., uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series driver with SS Greenlight Racing. He had a good finish at Auto Club Speedway this past weekend. He finished 15th. Uh, for his uh, group, and uh, definitely looking forward to talking to Joe Graff Jr. about that, along with some other things. When we finish with our interview with uh, Joe, we'll also talk about the NASCAR Cup Series race at Auto Club Speedway this past weekend. Uh, Both races, I thought, were fantastic and uh, a lot of um, fun to watch. Of course, it was uh, Kyle, Cole Custer winning the Xfinity Series race and Kyle Larson winning that Cup Series race. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking about that. Again, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time will be our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing. And uh, joining me now is our co-host for the first hour, and that is Sal Segala. Sal, welcome to the show. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. It's good to have you here. I know you were at Auto Club Speedway this past weekend. How was your experience there? You know, I'll tell you, it was it was pretty awesome to see all the fans that showed up on Sunday. I mean, of course, Xfinity. It was we were light on fans, but um, the fans came out. We didn't. A lot of us didn't expect to see as many fans as we did. Um, the racing was really super good. So. Uh, um, all in all, it was a good weekend. Um, I'm, I'm glad I uh, was able to get in there and cover it, especially with all the changes that NASCAR has made, you know, on our end, you know, as far as our media stuff. So um <clears throat> can't thank NASCAR enough, you know, for, you know, for allowing us, you know, to, you know, to still get our, our um, access that we get. Yes, I thought that was fantastic. And, um, you know, you're right. A lot of people were wondering with the L.A. clash at the Coliseum and the fantastic turnout that they had there, they wondered if uh, the California market was going to be able to handle two races so close together, and they certainly proved that they can, and there is an appetite for NASCAR out there on the West Coast. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, was the anticipation of a lot of the fans, you know, wondering what's going to happen with Auto Club now that, you know, we now that we ran our, mm-hmm. what they say is our final race on the two-mile, but talking with Dave Allen and, you know, they still haven't, they still don't have a, a plan out yet for the half-mile. And originally before COVID hit, 
it was supposed to be demoed like starting on Monday and Tuesday right after the cup race. But um, they, yeah, they said they, they haven't gotten any word on well, Yeah, we they put a hold on it. That the plans have been put on hold. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because, uh, you know, Atlanta Motor <clears throat> Speedway went the speedway route, the super speedway route. Uh, so it almost seems a shame to let go of this configuration. And we saw good racing this weekend, but we'll get more into that, Sal, as we get to the Xfinity Review and the Cup Series Review. Right now I want to make sure we give fans a quick update on the um, – Arkham Menard Series, they are not racing this weekend. Their next race, of course, is going to be at Phoenix. And I know you sometimes go to that, Sal. Are you going to be able to be out there this weekend, this time, on March 11th? You know what, Sharon? I don't know. I'm still up in the air if I, if I, want, to, if I want to make the trip out there. i got to check my calendar and actually I have to get back to you by tomorrow to let you know, you know, so that's where you get the yeah. – Everything set up, so I'm I'm uh, still looking at the uh, at the possibility of going. Okay, that would be fantastic. Uh, they're going to be racing March the 11th. It's actually three series, one race, all at Phoenix Raceway. The general title 150. It will be televised on MAP TV. Uh, it starts 5:30 p.m. Mountain Time out there at Phoenix Raceway. You're going to have the regular Arkham and Art Series. You're going to have the Arkham West with their season opener. And you're going to have the Sioux Chief Showdown. Uh, that's going to be their season opener as well for the 10 races that comprise that series. And uh, it's going to be fun to see how that all plays out out there at Phoenix. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, um, it's already starting to, you know, Starting to see some. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the Cup Series, but um, there's some, yeah. you know, other things too. So uh, it was a nice weekend. Though. I'll tell you, Saturday it kind of played a havoc on us with the cold weather, and then um, Sunday it got hot. <laughs> I mean, it got real hot on Sunday. Saturday was good. You're talking cool. about we it, Auto Club. Yeah, at Auto Club we were in hoodies, and it was windy. Oh my gosh, it was so windy. Yeah, it can get like that, I guess, sometimes. Okay, uh, I want to make sure we also talk about the truck series because they did not race this weekend, Sal, and they're going to be uh, racing this coming weekend, uh, but uh, they were off this past weekend at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, For some reason, I'm having a little Internet difficulties here. I'm not sure why, Um, but... uh, Definitely, we're looking forward to that next race uh, this coming weekend out at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. All three series are going to be racing, and the truck series will be racing uh, on Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. So we'll do a review of that, a preview of that race on Thursday night show. Uh, and uh, I, it's going to be good to see all three series back on the track out there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Oh, yeah. there's. I, I know I talked to a few of the drivers about that, <clears throat> you know, and they're looking forward, you know, to getting, you know, especially the truck drivers, you know, we're looking forward to getting back behind the seat, you know, getting, uh, you know, another race. In. Yes, 
indeed. They're going to get another race in. This will be their second race of the series season. And um, I'm having trouble getting in there. Uh, it's going to be their second race of the season after the Daytona opener uh, and uh, the, the what happened in that uh, season opener at Daytona. So uh, a lot of fans are looking forward to that. Uh, I wanted to see if I could see the entry list. I'm having trouble getting to that for some reason. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to see that entry list here uh, before too long, uh, and I can come back to that maybe in a little bit. Um, but, uh, again, we'll do a, review, a preview of that race on Thursday night's show, so uh, stay tuned for that. Anything else you want to add? Las Vegas is always a, a fun track. Oh yeah, we are. You know, especially you know since they, you know since they really started making you know part of the West Coast swing. You know, keeping you know the, you know the the three the three uh, West Coast races together. You know, with the um, with the uh, Auto Club, <clears throat> excuse me, Auto Club Phoenix and Las Vegas races. So, um, you know, gives us West Coast you know fans a chance to. Uh, and then the fact that for you know Phoenix, you know, you know there's going to be a lot going on with Phoenix, especially with the, with the Arca race coming on to the uh, um, uh, Arca, you know, us being able to see the Arca race here on the West Coast. Well, yeah, it will be available on Mad TV, and there's always the uh, rebroadcast uh, that is on USA, so you can always watch for that. Uh, I'm looking at the entry list now for the uh, truck series race here. Um, and I'm looking to see if there's any surprises. Uh, it was good to see uh, Matt DiBenedetto racing in that race. I was looking to see if maybe a time Majeski is going to be racing, Ben Rhodes, Brennan Poole. A lot of the regular drivers, Kat Growl is going to be in a youngest motorsports uh, truck but there's a lot of drivers, West Coast drivers like uh, Blaine Perkins uh, that's going to be racing uh, in that race that they're going to be looking to try to get a win at their home track. Lawless Allen, maybe? Yeah. They're, well, yeah, well, they're running um, full-time. They're running uh, full-time this year, so, uh, you know, so it's going to be a, um, let's see. Tanner Gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's ready full time, also. By the way, Kyle Busch oh, is on the entry list for the Truck Series as well. Yeah, you you kind of knew that was that was going to happen, especially this piece of his home track. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, so just a heads up there on uh, on that. One other thing I want to make sure we mention, and this relates to short track news, Sal. Uh, I sent you a link to this. Uh, there's going to be the Pepper Jack Kennels Twins at Five Flags Speedway on April 8th and 9th, and they're dubbing that as the Road to the Snowball Derby begins with the Blizzard Series and that double header. But the exciting news is that that weekend it will now even be more enticing because drivers are going to get the chance to compete uh, in the SRX, otherwise known as the Superstar Racing Experience, 
uh, at their event that's going to be taking place uh, at Five Flags Speedway. Um, and uh, already there's uh, drivers that are entered for that race. Um, it doesn't give a date here for some reason, but Bobby Labonte, uh, Michael Waltrip, Ryan Newman, Tony Kanaan, Hunter Ray, Hunt, Ryan Hunter Ray, Greg Biffle, and Ernie Francis Jr. are all drivers uh, that are going to be in the SRX this series. But so, in addition to earning ten thousand dollars, what they're going to do is they're going to look at uh, a combined effort in those two twin races, and the driver with the highest uh, combined results will be able to compete in the SRX season opener. Uh, They'll be racing at Pensacola later, and uh, I believe in June, if I remember correctly, when they had their season opener. No, it's April. It is April? It's in April. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it'll be be, April 8th and 9th. They're going to race Friday Friday night for 10,000 to win, Saturday night for 10,000 to win, and if a driver wins both races, then they're going to get a twenty thousand dollar bonus on top of that. So there's a possibility of forty thousand wow. dollars plus the plus the entry into the SRX. Yes. So, so um, that was kind um, of exciting news that these drivers yeah, have a so chance to be in um, that SRX season opener. Yeah, Pepper Jack Kennels is putting the um, the extra twenty thousand dollar bonus up. Which is oh, okay. which is Derek Thorne's sponsor. Yes. So Derek will yes. be at that race. Okay, I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh, oh I'm yeah. Oh sure no, no, he had no, announced he, oh, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. announced yeah, earlier that, was, that he was going to be at Five Lights Speedway, but this is this is kind of a frosting on the cake. <clears throat> Yes, it's going to Wouldn't be uh, going to so? be a good race. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to try yeah. to build it as a as a Chandler Smith versus um, Derek Thorne, you know, you know, because of what happened at the Snowball Derby. That's that's kind of what the word I've gotten I've gotten out of the some people that are real close with the, with putting this on. You know, it's going to be kind of like a you know like a revenge match or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so fans are definitely going to want want to mark your calendars for that Five Lights Speedway event, and uh, you can watch that, uh, I, I believe, with live streaming on Flow Sports. So, uh, yeah, so you if you if you got Flow Racing, you'll be able to watch those races uh, as well as the SRX races as well, and tickets are available. So, if uh, if you want to check that out, make sure uh, you get your tickets if you're in that area. Or even if you're not in that area, it might be worth the trip. Okay. So we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series race uh, that took place out there at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, and I'll tell you what, they put on a great race. Cole Custer was the winner. He was the only previous winner going into uh, Auto Club Speedway in the Xfinity Series uh, that was on the track. Now he's the only driver that has two wins. 
from the Xfinity Series at that track. Sal, are you still with me? <laughs> okay, I don't know what happened to Sal. Hopefully we'll have him back here in a minute. Um, I'm going to bring him back into the queue. Okay, we lost you there for a second, Sal. Yeah, you know what happened? My phone, it, kick, it kicked me out. <laughs> I guess I oh, forgot to put I'm a quarter inside the slot on the side, so... I put the quarter in, so now I'm back. Okay, good deal. Uh, I was talking about going into Auto Club Speedway. Um, going into Auto Club Speedway, uh, Cole Custer was the only driver who had a previous win in the Xfinity Series. Coming out of Auto Club Speedway, now he's the only driver that has two wins at Auto Club Speedway. Yeah, I, 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 I spoke to him on Friday when I went up there, and then Saturday, you know, of course, before the race. And uh, he had a fast hot rod. He almost actually almost got the pole. Um, uh, A.J. Allmendinger ended up with the pole. But um, he had, he knew he had a fast car, and uh, it was, uh, it was a, a, really good, a really good race for Cole. Um, Noah Gregson made a late, a late charge. Adam and I think and had he not had we not had that last caution, Noah probably would have won the race because he was that far out. And, but that last caution mm-hmm. when they came, when they all came in, it kind of shuffled everything up and kind of put Cole back in the in the spot. And then when we had the red flag, you know they're talking about tires, and some of the drivers, um, Anthony Alfredo had tires that were like fifteen, sixteen laps fresher, but went with that. With that last caution flag, um, it just it bunched it bunched the field up again, and, and Cole just uh, ran away with it. Yeah, Cole Custer was uh, the winner of that race. Uh, he he had a pretty dominant run. Noah Gregson came in second. I know Noah really uh, wanted to get that victory. Uh, Trevor Bain, who's making a return back to NASCAR in the Xfinity Series, driving the number 18, which we all know is a really good car. He came in third, then it was Josh Berry finishing fourth. Anthony Alfredo came in in fifth. Sam Mayer finished in sixth place. A.J. Allmendinger, seventh. Justin Algauer, eighth. And Riley Erbst, uh, another uh, West Coast driver there, along with Allmendinger, finished in eighth place. Uh, I'm sorry, finished ninth. And Ryan Sieg, Rounded out the top ten. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a lot of passing, you know, a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good runs. But basically, Cole was the, he was the, um, he was, a, he was the class of the field. I mean, there was no, there was no way nobody was going to catch him and beat him. He was just that fast. Yeah, he really was. He, he, he had a good, uh, a good run. Um, in that uh, series, and uh, I, I had to be a big uh, boost for him as well. Don't, don't you think so? Yes. Yeah, it was I talked to him? I talked to him after the race, you know, and, and you know he's, you know, and then of course, and then again on Sunday, and asked him, you know, about the win, and oh yeah, he said it was a big confidence booster. He says it was good to get out there. And, 
and win in front of the home fans, you know, and have a car because it wasn't a Stuart Haas racing car. It was, right. it was a, um, it was, he was sponsored by, um, by actually SF the green light racing. Yeah. And it was a production Alliance group, which is, which is one of the, they were actually the sponsor of the race. And um, mm-hmm. so he, they ended up putting Cole inside their car and then Cole ended up winning. So it was neat to see all, all the uh, production Alliance um, group uh, employees, you know, and, you know, dignitaries, you know, that they had there at the race, you know, to be able to go down to victory lane, you know, and get pictures with Cole and, and, and celebrate, you know, and uh, um, celebrate the win. Yeah, the race uh, uh, stage one was actually won by Trevor Bain. Stage two by Cole Custer, and of course the race was won by Cole Custer. Uh, the average speed was 105.682. The margin of victory 0.565 seconds. So it was really, really close to race. There were 12 caution flags for 58 laps, and there were 19 lead changes among eight drivers. So uh, it, it really was a very close race um, finish between Cole Custer and Noah Gregson. Yes. Okay. The points. You want to cover the points report? Yeah. Let me get to the points. I'm sorry. I had to drink some water. With all the everything with the with the um, way the weather played out yesterday was kind of rough, but anyway, so the points are uh, we got AJ Allmendinger leading the points, um, Noah Gregson second, Justin uh, Algar third, Riley Herb sit up in fourth, Ryan Sieg in fifth, Ty Gibbs in sixth, Josh Berry in seventh, Anthony Alfredo eighth, Daniel Hamrick in ninth. Um, Brandon Brown sitting in intent who had that, that crash at the end of the race that, that put us into the red. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah. Austin Hill and Sam, and Sam Meyer ran out the top 12. Yeah, Austin Hill, yeah. It, it really is amazing. After This is the points after just two races. Uh, that fourth through fifth are actually tied. <clears throat> There's a three-way tie for fourth through sixth uh, between Riley Herbst, Ryan Sieg, and Ty Gibbs. So it's really close right now. But uh, I think as we continue to move on to Las Vegas and beyond, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to play out. We've seen the the Xfinity Series on the Super Speedway. We saw them at Auto Club. Now we're going to see them on a 1.5-mile track. And really, you get a feel for how this is going to shake out after all these drivers race on all these different tracks. Of course, Phoenix is is more of a short track feel, a fast short track feel at that. Uh, But um, after Phoenix, I think we'll have a better idea, don't you? Yeah, I think, think, you know, as the season goes on, I mean, but yeah, I think after Phoenix, you know, know, because then we've had them on on basically – Three, three different sizes of tracks. So, you know, I, like you said, you know, once we get to Phoenix, you know, we're going to see, you know, something, um, you know, you know, I mean, I'm sure throughout the season, we're, you know, we're going to see a, um, a, uh, 
you know, a lot of changes and stuff in the in the point standings. Yes, so keep your eye on that as uh, we continue to move forward. Okay, um, you know, another point that I wanted to make sure we pointed out, finishing in 15th place is our guest that's going to be coming up at the 9 o'clock half hour, and that is Joe Graff, Jr. He had a really good run out there at uh, Auto Club Speedway, and one of the things that was really cool is that this season with the Stuart Haas Racing Alliance that they have, his teammates are going to be drivers like Cole Custer, who won the race, and Chase Briscoe. So uh, it's going to be fun to see uh, how that collaboration with these drivers that we know are really, really – we know that Joe Graff Jr. is a good driver too, but to have this collaboration with drivers like – uh, Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe, that's going to be really good for that organization. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes that's what these teams need, you know, something like that, you know, to, you know, to push them up, you know, you know, kind of like, you know, almost like they say, you know, almost, almost, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, in, in, into the, into like the next level. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it's good for him. It's good for his team. You know, and uh, you know, see how he, um, you know, see how the how the season plays out. You know, as, they, as we start getting closer and closer. Yes, indeed, and I'm sure we'll see some really good things play out there. Um, uh, Joe Graff has been a guest of ours on several occasions, and uh, we're looking forward to catching up with him and and talking to him about the 2022 season. Uh, that's coming up. This he'll have some momentum uh, from this finish at Auto Club Speedway to take with him into Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So I'm kind of anxious to find out from him what he learned at Auto Club uh, that might help him at uh, at Las Vegas next week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be you know exciting you know week you know. You know, you know, after coming off of you know a top fifteen finish, you know, then to uh, you know to see how the rest of the, you know, see how he, you know, um, once he gets to Vegas. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, he's had a couple of really uh, new things that have happened this year too. Jeff Lacour uh, is a new partner at SS Greenlight Racing in 2022. So that's going to be fun to talk to him about. And then also he's had a long-standing relationship with Bucked Up Energy. And so they're going to continue to be his sponsor for the 2022 season. And, in fact, they've kind of upped their partnership for the 2022 season. So we'll talk to him about that as well in this uh when he comes on board here. Uh, but uh, a lot of good things happening for Joe Graff Jr. in the Xfinity Series uh, already uh, in the 2022 season, but a lot to look forward to in this season as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot, you know, I, you know, like you said, you know, it's going to be, you know, an interesting um, season for Joe. You know, I spoke to him a little bit. You know, at the track on Saturday, not much because they were getting ready to get out to the, you know, get out to the um, driver intros and all that. 
But, um, you know, he looks like he's ready to go and, uh, you know, see what happens. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you had a chance to uh, chat with him for a couple minutes there and that he had a chance to meet you as well, so. Yeah, he, I I kind of told him, I says, you know, I'm with Sharon and, you know, it's chat for racing. He goes, oh, he goes, all right. He goes, I go, yeah, I'm the co-host. He goes, cool, so. But then, like I said, they were walking, you know, um, walking to get the car on the grid and, you know, to get their uh, get their uh, uh, race started. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm sure there's always a few little nerves <laughs> uh, just before a race starts. But, uh, you know, these guys looked like they were having fun out there at Auto Club Speedway. And, uh, uh, again, I'm just so happy uh, that the racing was as good as it was uh, on Saturday and Sunday out there at the track. Yeah, you know, especially, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, the first race of, well, you know, second race of the season, first race of the season, you know, get the season started, you know, you know, um, you know, changes come, you know, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, you've been off, you know, for, you know, a few months, you know, a couple of months, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, get started again. So it was, uh, you know, it was neat, you know, to see, you know, how just all the, you know, all the, you know, a lot of changes in the teams themselves too, you know, as far as, you know, team members and stuff, you know, I have a couple of friends that are, that work for some of the teams, you know, and, and even they went through, even they went through changes in the off season, you know, so now you go to the garage to go talk to them and you forget that they're not with, you know, with this team and that team anymore, oh. you know, now they're with, you know, with other teams and you're like, oh, wow, you know, Oh, it, it was, yeah, it was I was like, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, it's like a driver, you know, a driver changes teams, you know, the team members, they, they, we forget, they go through the same thing. That's true. Well, our guest is here, and I'm excited to uh, welcome Joe Graff Jr. to our show here tonight. He's kind of one of our regulars. He visits us on a pretty frequent basis. He's with SS Greenlight Racing, and uh, uh, he had a good weekend this past weekend out at Auto Club Speedway with his 15th place finish. Uh, Welcome back, Joe Graff Jr. Thanks for having me on, Sharon. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, we've been looking forward to kind of catching up with you. I know we had a little uh, slump last year, but uh, I'm looking to really kind of keep things, keep the momentum going here this year. And uh, you had a great finish with that 15th place finish at Auto Club Speedway this past weekend. Uh, talk about that finish, and what are your thoughts about racing that track? Yeah, I always... I always love going to Auto Club. I was upset we didn't get to go last year. Um, it's one of my favorite tracks. Um, kind of an up-and-down day for us, though. Unfortunately, um, we had an issue with the steering box in my car in practice, and with practice so close to qualifying, we couldn't fix anything. So um, ended up having an issue there. But um, once we got to the race, we were uh, pretty good. Um, I had a lot of fun. car was fast. It was a good good showing for Ford um, and bucked up as well. So super happy to be there and looking forward to Vegas this week. 
Well, one of the things that uh, I'm really excited about this season is that you have an alliance with Stuart Haas Racing, and your teammates in the Xfinity Series are going to be drivers Cole Custer, who won the race this past weekend, and Chase Briscoe. And uh, I want, I'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, having them as teammates and then also the alliance with Stuart Haas Racing. Yeah, it it's definitely been a huge upgrade to – our equipment. Um, unfortunately, I, ha- I haven't been able to drive one of the cars yet with the issue we had at Auto Club, and we didn't get Speedway cars from them for Daytona. So Vegas will kind of be my first time out in one of those cars. I'm super excited for it. Um, just a massive upgrade of of equipment. Um, I feel like we've gotten some really good personnel for this year. So I'm just really, really excited for the new opportunity. Um, can't thank my partners and Jeff Leftcourt enough for making it possible. Well, yeah, that, I was going to bring that up as well. Jeff Leftcourt, he's a new partner of yours at SS Greenlight Racing this year, uh, and uh, he's he's a great partner to have. You're always going to have uh, good food to eat. Yeah, 100%. Jeff's been a longtime supporter of mine. We actually met racing at Bethel Motor Speedway when I was, I've known him for a long time and uh, just to see the excitement and the faith he has in our race team um, is just unreal. And I, I'm super excited to really get the season rolling. Absolutely. Well, that's really cool to know that he's a good friend of yours uh, and that you've known him for a long time. He's also from New York, of course. Uh, you went to school in New York. I remember you going to school at New York University. Um, uh, so it's really cool that he's gotten behind you in this way and giving some financial support. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's been a dream come true for me, a tremendous opportunity, so I'm really looking forward to making the most of it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think um, – you know, a long-time partner of yours has also been uh, Bucked Up Energy. Uh, and we saw that on um, also on uh, Cole Custer's car. Uh, but talk about they're kind of upping the game uh, from Bucked Up Energy as well, aren't they? Yeah, Bucked Up's been, been exploding. They've upped their uh, partnership with us. They've come in in a big way this year. Um and they're super excited with what they've seen with how we've up team and what we're able to do. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get to see all them out in Vegas this week. That's uh, the track that's closest to them. So they usually all come out. So I'm excited to see Ryan and all those guys there um, and hopefully have a good showing there as well. Okay. That's awesome. You know, Sal was telling me he had a chance to talk to you briefly out there at Auto Club Speedway. I'm going to give him a chance to say hello and ask any questions he might have. Hey, Sal, how are you doing? Man, how are you doing, Joey? It's good to finally uh, catch up and, and, uh, and meet you this past weekend. Um, man, I'll tell you, for for the way that race went, that was a really great finish that you had this weekend because it was uh, – I'll tell you, it was, it was a barn burner out there, and you know, and and I know the wind. Talk with a lot of drivers. I know the wind played havoc with you guys for a while there. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It was a lot of fun, though. Um, I felt like the 
resin actually helped the track. Um, it opened up a couple more grooves. You can move around a little bit more, but we were definitely the fastest up by the fence. I felt really good about that, um, how our car felt up there. And yeah, it was, it was awesome to meet you. Definitely a roller coaster of a day, but, um, a lot of fun for sure. So, so what's it like racing, you know, you know, a track like, you know, a two mile track, cause you guys only have two of them a year. You have this one, you have Michigan, but to get on a two mile track and have all the different racing grooves that, that auto Coast speedway offers, you know, anywhere from the bottom to the top to the middle, you know, and I guess wherever your car handles the best, you know, I noticed, you know, drivers were using up, I mean, all the grooves and going to the corners, you know, gosh, you know, four or five ride racing. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. And like, I, I like that you bring up that we have two, two mile racetracks. It's, uh, it's crazy. Cause I know they're both the same length, but they couldn't be more different. Um, Auto clubs old and wore out, a massive amount of tire fall off, got a lot of lanes you can use where Michigan's more just all speed. Um, but, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, I like going anywhere that you can run up by the fence, so I'm excited to do that again this week at Vegas. Um, it's just a couple of my favorite tracks here in a row, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because when – when Roger Pesky first built um, Auto Coach Speedway, <clears throat> he built it to mimic Michigan, with the exception of they turned the track 180 degrees and put the start finish line technically the the you know the D shape, you know, is it in the back like it is in Michigan? And then he he tried to make it a little bit more fatter because he wanted his you know to run his Indy cars there more than you know they ran you know NASCAR because NASCAR didn't come for a few more years later. But um, as the years progressed with the, you know, when we started running NASCAR, you know, the racing has gotten better. I mean, for a while it was just a, like single, single file line. But I'll tell you one thing, Saturday, you guys, all of the whole series put on, they put on one heck of a show for the fans that were there. Yeah, this is going to be a great year for Xfinity. It's been, it's been a long time since compet- since Xfinity has been this, competitive i mean there's a lot of really good cars a lot of super talented drivers so like i think you're going to see a lot of really really good racing all year long oh yeah i'm sure we are you know what and i'm sure we're going to see a lot more out of you too this year there was like i said congrats again on the you know on the you know on the on the finish and um you know good luck the rest of the season and um i know we'll be getting you on a lot more often and i'm going to turn it back over to sharon absolutely thank you so much Okay, Joe, I want to talk a little, go back to uh, Auto Club Speedway and talk a little bit about one of the tricky things that they said about Auto Club Speedway is that there are those, there's multiple grooves, but where they put sealer in, there's really hard to drive. You get into a little bit of a rut. How difficult is that for you as an Infinity yeah, Series driver? It's definitely a challenging track, but I, I enjoy it a lot. You can sometimes use the seams to manipulate the car if you need to, but I also like the seams because it's hard to run on them. So, like, when, when you run the fence at Auto Club, you have to have all four tires above that top seam, um, and that's just, like, it's, it's a lot of fun to me. It gets you right up next to the fence. You can really feel it running up there, um, but, like, you can't. Some places you can run the top but not be at the fence. If you're going to run the top at Auto Club, you have to be on the fence because you can't run on that seam. You either have to have your left side below it or you have to be above it. 
So it's a lot of fun for me. Okay. Now, I also wanted to ask you, is there anything that you can take from either Daytona or from Auto Club Speedway uh, that can help you at Las Vegas this coming weekend, or are there other ways that you're preparing for Las Vegas? Yeah, I I think we definitely learned a lot at Auto Club. It kind of got me back in the racing groove. I feel like uh, Daytona um, is a little bit different racing, so it was good to kind of get the first – normal race under your belt after the off season. So I was excited for that at Fontana. Um, I was able to get into the Ford Sim today here in Charlotte. So um, worked on some stuff there. I feel pretty good about that now going to Vegas this week. And uh, hopefully we got all the bad luck out of the way. We, uh, we broke an axle at Daytona, unfortunately rebounded as best we could. And, uh, had some issues at Fontana too, but still kind of rebounded there. So hopefully we, uh, we have a clean, easy day at Vegas and uh, capitalize on what we can do. Is it kind of a, a breath of uh, fresh air when you go to a 1.5 mile track or are they so different that it doesn't really give you that little breather? Um. I kind of treat every race the same. Like I'm just super excited for a new opportunity every week. Like that's one of the great things about the Xfinity schedule is we race so much that you really, it's a new opportunity every week. So however your race was before good or bad, like it's kind of a clean slate every week, you get a new opportunity and you just got to work towards making the most of it. That's true. Now, are you working with a new team this year or do you have, um, your team that you've had from the past. So my crew chief, Joe Williams, he came to SS Greenlight with about 13 races to go last year, really helped us turn our season around last year, had some good runs. And, uh, but he's the only one other than Bobby Dotter, obviously the team owner that is still at SS Greenlight that was there last year. We, uh, we have all new guys. I feel really good about it. Um, got some really good people and uh i'm excited to really get the season rolling okay well we're excited to uh continue to watch you uh throughout this season and we're definitely looking forward to las vegas motor speedway that's coming up uh and uh seeing what happens there you've got some momentum on your side rolling into las vegas absolutely i'm i'm super excited um Super excited to get the Step Energy Ford back on the track and um, try to go have a really good run. You'll be in the 07 this weekend? Yes. Okay. Yes. So So I'll uh, be back. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll be back in the 07 this week. Um, Really excited to get there. I kind of have my normal team back. We, uh, we switch. So I switched numbers of the 08 this past week, but we didn't switch teams. So I had a team I wasn't used to working with either. So I'm excited to get back to Vegas and kind of work with Joe Williams and the team that, uh, that I've got and we'll see, see what we can do. Absolutely. I, I think, I think you're going to be just fine, Joe. I'm, I'm really excited about this year for you. 
you've got uh, Stuart Haas Racing Alliance. You've got uh, increased partnership with Bucked Up Energy. You've got Jeff Laporte as a new partner. And that all adds up to good things uh, for your team out there at SS Greenlight Racing. So uh, coming off a 15th place finish at Auto Club. So uh, good luck to you. I know... um, We'll, we've got you on the schedule already again for next month, so we'll look forward to talking to you at the end of next month as well. Sounds good, Sharon. Thank you so much. Okay. You take care, and good luck out at Las Vegas. You as well. Thank you. Okay. Take care now. All right. That you is well. Joe Graff, Jr. He drives the number 07 for SS Greenlight Racing. And uh, he's going to be racing out there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, this coming weekend. And Jay and I will be uh, doing the preview of that race on Thursday night. But, uh, Sal, always good to catch up with uh, Joe Graff, Jr. Yeah, it is. You know, and, uh, it was like I said, it was nice finally getting a chance to meet him, you know, and, and uh, talk to him for the brief, you know, couple minutes that we had. You know, I know there were, a lot of the drivers were real busy. So um, it was uh, it was a good time out there. Yes, indeed. Okay, we are going to uh, take a look at uh, the Cup Series at Auto Club Speedway. Another opportunity to watch the. Um, we got an opportunity to watch the. Um, next-gen car at Auto Club Speedway. And you almost got the feeling, Sal, that a lot of these drivers were learning as the race went along. You could see how they got better and better. Oh, yeah. They were, I mean, even even through practice, I mean, look at all the drivers. I think the one that had the most problems was Brad Keselowski. He was just, he was all over the place. And, um, you know, you just see, you know, all the, I mean, Chase Elliott, you've seen all the drivers that started in the back because of their spins, you know, in practice or in qualifying. And um, <laughs> we were wondering if they were going to finish qualifying on Saturday. I was <laughs> like, are they going to get this done or not? Well, they did. Um, I know that we'll, there's a lot that we'll talk about on Hot Topics tonight. Uh, but Kyle Larson, of course, was the winner at age 29, driving the number five for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, his crew chief, of course, is Cliff Daniels. Uh, it was his 17th victory in 20, 261 NASCAR Cup Series races, his first victory this year and his first top ten this year. Uh, it's his second victory and fourth top ten finish in eight races at Auto Club Speedway. Austin Dillon came in second, posting his third top ten finish in eight races at Auto Club Speedway and his first top ten finish of the season. Eric Jones, how great was it to see Eric Jones up there in the top five, posting his third top ten finish in five races at Auto Club Speedway. Austin Sendrick finished 12th. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Hendrick Motorsports leads the NASCAR Cup Series and wins at Auto Club Speedway with 12 victories. Uh, Jeff Gordon won there in 97, 99, and 04. Kyle Busch in 2005. Jimmy Johnson in 2002, 7, 8, 
in 9, 10, and 16. Alex Bowman won the last time we raced at Auto Club in 2020, and, of course, Kyle Larson in 2022. Four different manufacturers have won in the Cup Series at Auto Club, led by Chevrolet with 16 wins, followed by Ford with 11, Toyota with four, and Dodge with one. Uh, The race yesterday had uh, the 32 lead changes, the third most all time in the NASCAR Cup Series and Offer Club Speedway. Behind 2014, they had 35 lead changes, and in 2008, they had 33 lead changes in that series. So um, a really great finish for uh, Kyle Larson there in this series. Yeah, it, it it sure was. It was a uh, um, him and him and Chase kind of Chase Elliott wasn't too happy with the way he raced him. You know, at the end of the race, you know, pushing up into yeah. the wall. You know, and um, you know, and it, it was with good, uh, you know, it was with good reasoning. I mean, you know, uh, Kyle's an aggressive driver. You know, um, you know, if you ever seen him on the dirt, you know, he's yeah, you know, I. But I know if you listen to Kyle's explanation, though, he did not know. And I know earlier today I saw on uh, Twitter that the uh, crew chief, not the crew chief, the spotter came online and said that it was entirely his fault. He was focused on what was happening with the 22, and he didn't really give him the heads up that uh, uh, Chase Elliott was where he was coming up from behind him. And I watched the replay of it, and you can see how he wouldn't have known that Chase was coming. He came up from behind him on the left side, and he said he, too, was focused. Kyle said he was focused on the 22 as well and didn't see that Kyle Larson was coming up behind him either. So I think once they talk about it this week at Hendrick Motorsports, uh, I think they'll clear the air. I'm hoping so anyway. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to their their teammates. It's still early in the season. There's still a lot of racing left, but um, right. you know, uh, you know, they just really went out there and um, you know, and, and you know, set the basically set the the tone, you know, for the how the season's going to go. The driver I felt bad for was for Austin Cedric. You know, he was really the class of the field mm-hmm. out there until he got that until he got that blowout. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I mean, he was just—I mean, he was—he got the pole and everything. You know, he was just—he was—he was there really fast out there. But um, you know, yeah. and then um, you know, uh, William Byron had an up and down day. I was—I—I was—I was, yeah. did a couple of pit—I did a couple of his pit stops, photos on his pit stops because I have a friend who's on the who who who's uh he drives he drives the hauler for um. William Byron and he's also part of the part of the pit crew. So I was down there right. you know, watching him and stuff, you know, which was kind of neat. But um Daniel Suarez, you know, oh, man. Yeah. That last yeah, restart, he really Yeah, he really made a he really made a go at him, you know, trying to you know, trying to get that win, you know, and um you know, once everything played out, you know, of course of course, you know, Kyle Larson was the, you know, was the class of the field, but like you, you know, you even mentioned Eric Jones too, but yeah, 
I really love seeing all the different names up in the top ten. We had uh, we mentioned Kyle Larson, Austin Dillon, and Eric Jones, but Daniel Suarez in fourth. Joey Logano finished fifth. The other five drivers in the top ten were Eric Almarola, Kevin Harvick, who had a rough day. I don't know how he ended up finishing in seventh place. And Kurt Busch, another guy who had a rough day, ended up with an eighth-place finish. Daniel Hemrick in ninth. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. rounds out that top ten. And Cole Custer, after winning on Saturday, had an 11th place finish on Sunday. Yeah, the one, you know, um, Kurt Busch had a, had a horrible weekend to begin with because they failed mm-hmm. inspection on Friday three times, and then they had to, he had to do the drive-through, you know, to start yep. the race. You know, and he had to work Kevin his Hart way all the way back Kevin started in the up. back, too. Yeah, Kevin Harvick started the back, you know, and then even um, when you go down like 14th place, you go down to Kyle Busch. He had his issues early on in the race, you know, and he was yeah. able to fight back, you know, to finish on the yeah, head. He, had a, he needed a couple lucky. He was two laps down at one time and had to fight back, you know, with the two lucky dogs, yeah. you know, to get the his position back, you know, and to finish they were able in, to in do that. That was what was so amazing. They were able to be laps down and still be able to do that. Tyler Reddick, I felt bad for. He won both of the first two stages, and then he ran into some trouble. Um, it was uh, There were 12 caution flags for 59 laps, 32 lead changes among just nine drivers, and the margin of victory in this race was .195 seconds. <laughs> really, really close. And the average speed of the race was 114.222 miles per hour. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of fantastic racing uh, that took place at Auto Club Speedway. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a. It was a. You know, for you know the issues that they had. You know. Like I said, you know, going through practice to qualify, you know, there was a bump in turn four, and they're talking about that, you know, after qualifying, you know, that, you know, the drivers are going to have to really watch that bump because it was that bump that was knocking all the drivers, you know, you know, knocking all the drivers, you know, into the into the wall, mm-hmm. you know, set them spinning and all that, you know. So they 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 did speak about you know the you know the issues they had there. Yep. You want to cover the points report real quick before we run out of time? Yeah, let me get to the points here. It's, um... Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. Uh, they had a graphic also on Facebook, on uh, Twitter today that showed the points report from Daytona to um, Fontana. And uh, it, really, it was amazing. Some drivers stayed exactly the same. But there were other drivers that were really shifting uh, between the top and the bottom of the points report. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get that from Daytona, you know, to an actual track, you know, where they actually have to race, you know, where mm-hmm. you, you know where you're going to separate, you know, the, you know, the, you know, where you're where you're going to separate, you know, the, the better teams, you know, from yeah, just from the teams, you know, that you know that that just happened to be at the right place at the right time, especially on a, on a restricted play track. But anyways, the points are, um, we got Austin Cedric leading the points. Uh, behind him is uh, Joey Logano, uh, his teammate. And then um, third is Martin Truex Jr. Fourth is Ryan Blaney. 
Uh, fifth is Chase Briscoe. Sixth is Eric Jones. Seventh is Eric Almarillo and, and Kyle Larson round out the top uh, round out the top eight. Since they take sixteen into the um, into the chase, then we go down to ninth is Bubba Wallace. Tenth is Brad Keselowski. Eleventh is Kyle Busch. Twelfth is Kurt Busch. Thirteenth is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Fourteenth is Austin Dillon. Fifteenth is Daniel Suarez. And sixteenth, round out the top sixteen is Cole Custer. There's a lot of names in that top sixteen that I'm sure a lot of us wouldn't wouldn't expect to see, you know. Yes. But like I said, you know, <laughs> still on in the season. That you wouldn't expect to yeah. see too. Yeah. Oh yeah. You didn't yeah, hear Kevin Harvick you know, Chase in Elliott. Yes. Yeah, Chase Elliott. Alex Bowman. Yeah, it's just you know, William Byron, uh, Christopher Bell, uh, Daniel Hemrick. A lot of names you wouldn't expect uh, to see below that uh, top 16 uh, that are there. So, uh, and some names that are really close to the top 16 that you wouldn't expect either, like Ty Dillon. Uh, he's in 17th spot, and Michael McDowell in the 18th spot. So, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to this year in racing. Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, like you said, you know, as the as a West Coast swing, you know, comes to an end, you know, you know, I'm sure you know we're going to see another shakeup, especially after Vegas and and even more after uh, after we get to the one mile track over at um, Phoenix International Speedway. Yeah, I believe you are right. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, are you going to be at another track this weekend, Sal? Now I was supposed to go up to Roseville with the South the Southwest Tour, and then um, I had to cancel and not going. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here stay here around town and spend some time with the wife and watch watch racing on TV. I really wanted to go to Vegas. I haven't been to Vegas probably been about about four or five years since I've covered a race in Vegas. And but you know doing doing the two weekends in a row, it's it's not like like before when I was single. You know, I was able to swing it. So, um, well, I'm really hoping either Riley Earps or Noah Gregson wins that race out at Las Vegas. Who, who are you picking? You know, it, it's it's it, it, it's it's going to be tough because it, you know it's a mile and a half track. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they all have speed. Um, I don't know. AJ Allmendinger, just talking with him and seeing him, you know, this past weekend, you know, and you know, he's just he's uh he looks like he's um looks like he's dialed in and ready to win a to win a championship this year. Okay, well we'll we'll see what happens. We're coming up at the uh close of the hour here, Sal. Anything um anything you wanna say before you say goodbye? No, just uh, everybody. You know what? Just enjoy this racing season. Um, you know, I, I know, I know that uh, the new car is going to be a, a hot topic, especially with uh, with what I with what I've seen on you know at the track. You know, you know, finally getting you know, like I said, to a track where they can race on. You know, a lot of issues out there. Um, a lot of tire wear. Um, it was crazy to see the single. You know, just the single lug in the middle. You know, not not a bunch of lug nuts. Usually, usually after the race, I stop by and I pick up lug nuts from all the drivers, and I <laughs> walked out pit lane and there was nothing. It was clean. 
method yep, out there. Yep. So, well, you know, we've got and then, no you know, just topics tonight. If you want to stay on with us, Sal. Nah, I'm, I got. I'm leaving town tonight. I'm uh, right after the show. I have to. I got a four-hour drive up north for my um, for my job tomorrow. So I would stay because there, there's a lot. Oh, there's okay. a lot going on with this new car. Yeah, I mean the car is really nice. It's loud. It's fast. But um, I just seen a lot of issues. You know, I don't, especially after pit lane. You know, gas gas yeah. guys don't know when to start putting the gas in. You know, because you know it takes so long. It takes it takes longer to fuel than it does to change the tires and it was it was just it was it was comical yeah it's it, it's a learning curve for sure and uh I, I know nascar is looking at some things too for how they can do things a little bit better so uh we'll be talking about it here on hot topics so if you get a chance to tune in later and hear what we have to say that'd be great yeah and you know just on a quick note it was strange to see the teams on the other side of pit road, you know, you know, rather than waiting, you know, until the cars come, you know, to jump over, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, it was just different, you know, but, um, you know, uh, as the season goes on, we'll get used to a lot of things, a lot of changes. Anyways, you guys have a good show, have a good week and, uh, we'll talk to you uh, next Monday. Okay. So we're looking forward to it. And uh, next Monday, let me look at who my guest is next Monday. Oh, James Bickford's going to be on next Monday. Okay. Okay. So I'm sure he'll we'll have some announcements. Pardon me? I'm, I'm sure he'll have an announcement or two. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we'll <laughs> look forward to talking to you Monday. So safe travels okay. to you. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Good night. Good night. Okay, we're a little bit, a couple minutes behind here, but we're ready to open up our Hot Topic Sound Off segment. And joining me tonight for that is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I, I was excited there. I was listening. I thought maybe uh, Sal was going to be able to go on. I know he's busy and, and got a lot going on himself uh, there with work. But to have the input, a uh, couple of things he was talking about there, that uh, input from somebody at the track and seeing these cars live and in person, I, I was kind of looking forward to that. So uh, hopefully one of these times we can get him to stay on hot topics. And you're right, the, the car itself in many ways is going to be a lot of our hot topics tonight as well as moving forward uh, as we hit each different style of track and things that pop up that we've seen. Yes, indeed. And I'm almost sorry that uh... – uh, both Andy and Mike are working tonight, so they're not able to be on our hot topics. Uh, we asked Tommy. Tommy wasn't able to come on tonight, and and we checked in with Brian, and he wasn't able to come on tonight. Uh, I haven't heard from Owen. I was hoping maybe Owen would be able to to uh, kind of save us here, but uh, apparently he's busy as well. So, oh wait a second, I do have somebody else here. Let's see who this is. Hi, Sharon. Okay, um, Quentin. Oh, it's Quentin. <laughs> okay, Quentin. Yeah, I'm always uh, willing to join you guys. Okay, well, we've got Quentin on Hot Topics here tonight, uh, and uh, we'll see where we go with that. So, Jay, you bring up the first hot topic, and we'll take it from there. Welcome to the show, Quentin. 
Thank you. All right. Well, good to ha- good to have you on here, Quentin. Uh, again, another perspective coming from the north, uh, Midwest North, if you will, <laughs> Minnesota. So I always look forward to that. Uh, pull up uh, pull up our uh, topics here. We'll start with the just at the bottom. I know we should be able to get through a lot of them, but uh, let's see. I think Sharon posted this one from Joseph Strigley, Strigley on Twitter. Says through the first two NASCAR Cup Series events of 2022, 19 different drivers have scored a top 10 result. Eric Almarola, the only one with two, been almost a half century since the last time this has occurred at NASCAR's top level, uh, going back to 1973. So some analytics there. Uh, in case Owen joins us, we got some analytics there to talk about. I know we talked about it in a couple different formats and ways, but yeah, seeing different names at the front, I didn't realize that by finishes as far as the different top tens we've had. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting stat that he brings up there. Uh, Quentin, what are your thoughts about that stat? Yeah, I was looking at the front row and the top fives and the top tens and now the new kids on the block are definitely achieving that. Um, well, look at Austin Cendrick winning the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some new names, aren't we? We are. I, okay. Well, I I've been uh, Chase Briscoe ever since, uh, you know, his Bush days, Xfinity days, sorry. And um, it, it's definitely the changing of the guard going on right now. Yeah, it does seem that way. I would agree with you, Quentin. There does seem to be a changing of the guard with the, the new generation kind of coming to the forefront. Uh, but I think the car has a lot to do with it. I know Mike Ward, let's see, there's actually five comments here. Uh, he, he thought the race yesterday was really good, uh, but he felt like there's still a few bugs to work out, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those bugs as part of our uh, hot topics. Um uh, he's talking about mainly with the wheels, the tires, and the suspension. Uh, and those are all hot topics for later on here tonight. But uh, I think uh, he brought up in another post here that uh, Jeff Clark's poll for the race, 92% thought the race was outstanding. Uh, and I think it's because we're seeing yes. different names up at the front, like Austin Sendrick and, and Eric Jones and Cole Custer. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of different names up in that top ten group, uh, and to hear that Eric Amarola is the only one with two top tens in the last two races, uh, that's a little mind-boggling almost. Jay, what are your thoughts? Even with that win at uh, Loudon, too, where everyone was blaming it on the sun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I say I hadn't. I hadn't uh, related it to the finishes, but definitely uh, starting lineup, especially, you know, Daytona, we always talk about, unfortunately, Daytona is its own beast. I mean, and we know that, um, how they start, how they finish, depending on the wrecks. To to see the first uh, normal track, I don't know if normal is the right word, but uh, they always say the season starts with California as, as we go forward from there. Mm-hmm. 
throughout the throughout the race. You know, Tyler Reddick was very consistent last year. You know, working to working his way into the playoffs as a non-winner. Uh, really dominated that race until he had problems at the end. You had Eric Jones, who was up there all race long. Um, Quentin mentioned, you know, you got Austin Sindrick having won the Daytona 500, qualified on the pole there at California. Chase Briscoe, another one, has had solid seasons, but hasn't quite been a regular top 10 up-front runner uh, you mentioned it, not just changing of the guard as far as drivers. We, we go through that every year uh, and every couple of years as far as uh, the evolution of that, that next generation or wave of top contenders. But the car comes into play. We're seeing teams that we're not used to seeing up front battling that hard, that regularly. You know, Trackhouse had two cars there uh, having decent runs uh, there at the end. Again, maybe, you know, top 10. Um, but that's that next step. You go, you know, you don't go from 25th, 20th, right up to winning in top three. It's that step. And I think we're seeing those steps. And as Mike put it, let me see here where, where he put it, uh, the top team's kind of on their back heels a little bit. I can't find his comment on that. Um, oh, here. It won't take, the long, take long for the engineers to suck all the fun out of it. But the unpredictable new car has everyone on their back foot, and it's great. Yeah, some of the top teams we saw in practice, in qualifying, struggling a little bit, you know, not getting getting their hands around it and their arms around it, and some of these other teams that have, at least to start with, bridging that gap from the back to the front. Now, at the end of the race, we saw it. And I think I made that comment in the uh, in our race day chat. The cream rises to the top. It came down to Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, uh, Austin Dillon. Uh, you know, he's been there before. So you're still going to see yes. that cream rise to the top. It's a matter of how quickly and how closely these other teams can follow and stay there and hang with them until they're ready to take that spot from them. That's true. Quentin, your follow-up? Yeah, I um... – you know, there's a lot of people, and I'm going to go back to my last point, that they're not going to be the big changing of the guard. Well, Dale and Eric Sr., <laughs> come on. Um, you know, Bobby Labonte, Jeff Burton, Tony Stewart, all, all the guys. The fan factor is having trouble welcoming them in. And uh, that's been um, been a big deal here. Um, but I love the fact that the Xfinity drivers are now the cream of the crop. Well, I love that this car is uh, doing what it's doing uh, with racing right now. You almost saw drivers going through a learning curve at Autocob Speedway. Um, Kevin Harvick started from the back. Kurt Busch started from the back. And one of the things we talked about with this next-gen car was that, I, I know I made this comment before, it seems like the younger drivers are going to adapt to it much more quickly than the older drivers uh, because they've had longer time in the Gen 6 car than some of these newer drivers. The newer drivers 
have been wanting to adapt to racing the Cup Series with the heavier car and everything. But this car, mm-hmm. uh, I think I thought that they would adapt to much more quickly than the older drivers, and that's exactly what we're seeing happening. But during the Auto Club Speedway, um, you could see Kevin Harvick's learning curve accelerating. Same thing with Kirk Busch. Those guys started from the back. They had to overcome <laughs> uh, immensely. And Kirk Busch, by the way, I think they said that he – Passed like 150 cars, which is the equivalent of like four uh, sets of <laughs> four four sets of Cup Series drivers, uh, in order to get the finish that he got in the top ten. Uh, so these guys are doing all right with this new car, but the fact that they they had this chance to race this car and to do what they did with it, coming from the back to the front, the way they did. I think is accelerating their learning curve now. And I think as this season progresses, we will see some of these older drivers uh, back up into that top 10. Um, The other thing that I think is happening is that some of the things that we're seeing happening on the track, and this is going to come up later too, when we talk about the steering and the wheels and, and all of that stuff. I think there are old habits that some of these drivers do have uh, in the way that they drive the car that is affecting what's happening. And I brought this up in our race day chat. They're still playing with the tire pressure. And NASCAR, Goodyear mm-hmm. always gives these drivers, um, you know, what pressure should be on the cars. But all these drivers want to get that little extra that they can get out of it. And it's a risk versus reward. Sometimes the risk <laughs> pops pops up and kicks you in the in the fanny, if you will. And that we saw that happen this weekend, uh, with some of the drivers playing around with the PSI uh and going beyond the limits that are given to them by Goodyear. So yep. um uh you we're gonna see some, until they get used to this new car, uh those are some of the trial and error kind of things that I think we're gonna see. Uh, and it took out some really good drivers. But, uh, you know, we talked about it at the L.A. Clash, too, using the clutch a little bit more than maybe they should or the brakes or the the whatever. They've actually got bigger brakes, so I don't know if that's really as big of an issue. But using the clutch, uh, they might have to change the way that they're using the clutch because it's having an effect uh, on on what's happening with the tires and the wheels. So, Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it continues to progress, but I think all of those things are playing into why we're seeing so many different drivers uh, in that top ten over just two races. So, Jay, I'm looking forward to your follow-up. I just wanted to insert, I am 1,000% on your side with that, Sharon. Um, Yeah, the the clutch, the tires, the – yeah. This car is going to hopefully work itself out by the end of the year. Okay, anyway, Jay. sorry, Jay. No, that's all right. Um, the the one thing there are a couple of things you mentioned there when you when you talked about the brakes. Uh, Danny Hamlin was one of them. That comes into play when you're coming to pit road and and how you approach pit road. Oh, true. Uh, how much you need to get on the brakes. Um, I think they said that that had to do with Hamlin spinning out coming to pit road. And I know Kyle Busch is one of them that has, has said it in the past. Brad Keselowski made a comment about drivers 
and not all of them, but there were a lot of drivers saying they wanted more control it to be about the drivers. Well, we got it. Now be careful what you ask for. And he himself said, hey, you know, I've had my, my struggles with it. So, yeah, it's going to take that time for them to figure out. Now, like Sharon pointed out, you know, that these younger guys don't know any better, don't have the bad habits or the old habits of what they're used to that they're trying to break. So that, too, again, there's so many factors in this. And give it five to, I say, five to six races, get all the different types of tracks under, under our belts, and we're going to see which drivers and teams really get the handle on it. And these top teams are the top teams for a reason. You know, I mean, no matter what gets thrown at them, they seem to, to re, regroup and, and get back on it quicker than anybody else, and that's why they're the top team. You know, uh, Kyle Larson, again, uh, another one, he did come from the back. I know, Sharon, you mentioned it. I, I couldn't remember the exact number, but I, I did hear that this morning on NASCAR's morning drive on Sirius XM that Kurt Busch passed the entire field. Yeah, entire field three three to four times uh, with the number of cars he passed. So um, you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, his learning process, uh, he went about it uh, the hard way, if you will, but probably got some more learning in than anybody else. So. We'll have mm-hmm. to see how it shakes out down down the road, but I'm looking forward to it because, uh, and I, I think I put this in my race day chat too. Tyler Reddick was my pick to win. He was dominating. I said I was actually okay with Eric Jones winning, uh, you know, with the GMS Petty team now winning, if, as long as my driver taught, was the top pick out of our group. Uh, but to see somebody like that up there, and like I said, he ha- he was up there top five to top ten, the entire race, and that excites me for the season. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. He's had he's had a couple of good races, but he's also had a couple of things happen that have kind of uh, hurt him too. So uh, I can't wait to see once he kind of gets things figured out as well uh, what he does because I think he's going to be a contender without a doubt. Quentin, we're ready for the next top topic. So uh, you get to bring it up. I know you're not on our team spread where we list all of our hot topics to talk about, but we'll kind of uh, go with the flow here. Yeah, I'll have to get that figured out. Um, Turn one, turn two, turn three, bump four, California. Um, Yeah, I, you know, it's, up in the air whether or not that will become a half a mile but I I know in the past the weepers in the slits that they had to carve in the track and you know track's been a mess um what was it 1997 when um, you know Jeff Gordon led 199 of the 200 laps, and yeah, it was. This was a lot better race. Um, I, okay. I don't know. Do go they ahead. need to go to a half mile? Do they need to? Uh, I thought yesterday was okay. Okay, I think that goes under reconfiguration of Auto Club on hold, uh, Jay. So what are your thoughts about that? The race was a good race yesterday. 
It was, and we have seen multiple. That's a, that's one of the things when drivers talk about California, and, and I know Amanda was watching this with me, that they can actually run uh, four wide. I know to start the race, they, they tried to go to the dirt track. They did a five-wide salute. You can get five cars five wide. Um, they did that for the pre-race yes. uh, parade lap salute. But there was four wide racing. I mean, there's four lanes. Some of them are tricky. You mentioned, uh, Quentin mentioned the, the weepers and the seams that they talk about, and that's where we had several of the problems. Again, this car a little bit different in how it handles it with the way it's built now. And so to me, that is the uniqueness of the track. You know, in dirt track, when there's bumps and uh, ruts or whatever, it's got character. And we hear that when it comes to Atlanta. That's why they didn't want Atlanta repaved. I think it's great, and we have – I know occasionally we've seen – even even take that uh, – I mentioned Tyler Reddick actually dominating as far as how he was up front. You're going to have the driver that figures it out, but Kyle Larson figured it out by the end of the race and had come back. Would have been a great battle to see, you know, the two of them trying to run each other down. Both of them like to run uh, up against the fence. And I'll, I'll quote uh, Joe Graff, uh, you know, he talked about that there. If you're going to run that high lane, you've got to run up against the fence – because like he said, mm-hmm. you got to avoid that seam. you got to be all the way above it. You can't straddle it. So, yeah, I think it's a great track as is. I know right now the push and the excitement of the half mile was definitely there, and I think still is. But I think there's a the valid of what California is now. And I think it was Dave Moody had the tweet of, and he didn't, call any of them out but he said he thinks there's a lot of the half mile tracks that fans would rather see a half mile uh banked oval replace some of the other mile and a half before they would pick california and i know sharon and i have talked about this chicagoland was one of the (laughs) most raciest mile and a half and that one went away so i Mm -hmm. don't know what the connection is there because we've seen great racing on it okay yeah i i um I know drivers hate it when there's talk about resurfacing a track or reconfiguring a track. Um, And I know Auto Club Speedway, or not Auto Club, Atlanta Motor Speedway recently went through a reconfiguration that's going to make it more like a super speedway. It's going to be a really fast uh, uh, track, and it's going to be almost like a super speedway. So I don't think... Um, and you're right, there's so many other short tracks that could be used over reconfiguring Auto Club Speedway. I don't know if there are other factors that are playing into the idea of a short track, but the racing this weekend is some of the best racing we have seen at Auto Club Speedway. And there's two there's two factors. Drivers love those rough surfaces. They love having the driving in their hands. And you're right, uh, Jay, Joe Graff Jr. talked about it today. He loves driving up on that high line right up next to the wall and, and staying out of that groove. <laughs> Uh, that all the drivers have to maneuver, that's part of the fun of racing that track. So, you know, a lot of drivers really get upset when you talk about a reconfiguration. The only thing that I think they should fix at Auto Club Speedway is in that turn four where all the drivers were getting caught up and and getting spinning out. Mm -hmm. That needs to be fixed. Uh, Whatever the bump was over there that was causing them to spin out, that I think they need to look at 
and and maybe reconfigure just that part of the track. That's the only reconfiguration I would recommend for Auto Club Speedway. I think they need to leave it alone, let the guys go out there and race it for as long as they can, and uh, uh, keep Auto Club Speedway the way it is. Because the other thing we mentioned uh, earlier on our, with our interview with Joe Graff Jr. is that there's only two two mile tracks. Um, that are are kind of different. One is is um, Michigan, and Michigan is another track that is at one of those speedy tracks like uh, Auto Club or like uh, Atlanta and Auto Club Speedway. And I love that Auto Club Speedway is so different from the other tracks. It, it and Sal brought this up earlier. It was really configured for IndyCar racing. Uh, they didn't know that they didn't. Um, think that stock cars would race very well on there, but now that they have, uh, they put on some outstanding racing, and there were two really good races at Auto Club Speedway this past weekend, both in the Xfinity Series and in the Cup Series, so I say leave it alone. Don't go to the short track. Look for a different short track uh, to bring into the schedule, but leave Auto Club Speedway because it is so different from the other tracks that are on the schedule. So, Quentin, what are your thoughts? Oh, boy, you got me in a scrambled egg there. Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I love perspectives and objectives, and it's the only reason I talk to people in auto racing. Um, Yeah, I, you know, Michigan is definitely thinner. And Uh um, California is a big old, Five wide. Yep, that's um, what I love about it. I mean, can you? Hmm, I'm gonna track down. But can you imagine Indy if it was skinny? I mean, the pit road is. But uh, yeah, that track would just be unraceable. Um, but as far as California, what's it going to take to fill the stands? And not that I'm big on, you know, you ain't got to sell the seats, but you got to sell the show. Uh, I thought the attendance was I've good at the club speeder. I heard that too, and it did look full. Um, but... Yeah, that track needs help. Like you agreed, um, get rid of bump four, not turn four, bump four. And uh, would I love to see a half mile on the West Coast? Of course I would. But not sure where that's going to go. I well, there's lots of half mile tracks out there. What's that? They have lots of half mile tracks out on the West Coast. I know. Sal's told us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I would uh, 
I don't know. Uh, and then what are you going to do with the L.A. Coliseum as far as being an opening exhibition race? You know, it's not that far away from Fontana. Um, see where it goes. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, from from what I heard, I know we talked about this with, with uh, Mike, especially brought it up of, you know, do those new fans from the Coliseum follow to Fontana? And it, I don't know that I saw any uh, attendance figures. Mike normally provides those, but it did appear to be good. Interest seemed to be high. Uh, I kind of disagree with it. I know you guys are talking about that turn and bump four. I think that is a matter of how the new car handles on that, just like the seams. And we saw in qualifying, uh, you know, it used to be the thing to go to the apron. And I think out of the top 10, only seven got to keep their times or have times. The other three actually didn't complete a lap. One of them being Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch. Um, and I know Harvick, I don't remember if his was during qualifying, but that had spun out. So to me, I think, I don't know that I'd necessarily get rid of it. I think it is a matter of, as we thought, saw throughout the race, you talked about that learning curve throughout the race learning what you can and can't do with the car going to the apron. You got to be a lot more careful with that than, than what you had uh, did in the past or how you get into it. And I think some of that applies to how low the car is, the width of the tires. Now the brakes, um, all that, that when they got down there, it wasn't the same as what it was in the past, you know, to see chase Elliott make that mistake, who is one that certainly uh, is capable of making that kind of move. You know, and it just didn't work out. You notice he didn't do it again. He still went down there during his second uh, second try, but he he learned from it. So the bump, I don't know if you want to try and take it out. Uh, that's one of those of uh, there's several tracks that have those characteristics mm-hmm. or, or whatever that the drivers just need to learn how to handle. Same with the seams. You know, you talk about the yes, seams. Sir. Had a couple drivers got caught on them and, you know, at the wrong spot and, and had no grip, uh, Kyle being one of them. Uh, I think Kyle experienced every part of uh, issue there was to have at California and still come back to a decent finish. I know it wasn't a win, but uh, I think he was four laps down at one point. We had Daniel Hemrick, who was six laps down, you know, to come back and, and stay in it and come back and get those good finishes or solid finishes anyway, um, shows a lot about those teams. So I don't know that I would do anything with it. And the the article I mentioned to start this topic talked about it was construction cost that has actually put it on hold. You know, I mean, maybe that's a blessing in disguise right now. You know, keep it for at least mm-hmm. another year or two, and and then relook at it. Uh, so take it for what it is. Maybe that was that was a sign. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I do think. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm hearing you say that you would leave it the way it is. Uh, I'm certainly in favor of that. Uh, and, and you know, look at other tracks that they could do uh, for a short track if they want a short track. Coliseum, for, for that matter, is a, is a good short track. And I think you were asking what's going to happen with Coliseum. I think they're talking about maybe uh, having more events at the Coliseum at least for the next two to three years. So uh, we'll have to see if that actually plays out, but that's the rumor that I I had kind of heard. Um, But uh, I think Auto Club Speedway 
is perfect the way it is. I think that both the Xfinity Series race and the Cup Series race had good events. Uh, you talk about the bump, you're, you bring up a good point. I know at Chicagoland Speedway, the bumps were over in turn three. And I remember asking Eric Jones one time, uh, you know, his thoughts about those bumps over in turn three, because the whole weekend I had heard drivers complaining about those bumps over in turn three at Chicagoland Speedway. And Eric Jones ended up winning that race. But when I asked him about the bumps over in turn three, he says, it's my job to figure out how to best get through those bumps. And that's what we did. And you're absolutely right, Jay. That's what they need to do is figure out how to get through those bumps. Uh, now, if it tears up the track like it did at, uh, where, where was it? Was it Talladega or Daytona where they had to stop the race to patch up the track because it was literally falling apart? Um, Daytona. If it gets to that point, yeah, yeah, if it gets to that point, it's gone too far. Uh, and uh, so they have to keep an eye on it that it doesn't get to the point that the track falls apart. But you're right. These drivers do need to learn how to figure out how to get through those bumps. So, Quentin, you get the last word on this one, your final thoughts. Should they leave it no, as I'm is? No, I'm not even sure word. I said should they leave Auto Club as is or should they uh, think about making it a short trip? Well, maybe build a half mile next door. I don't know. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> That's yeah, a good idea. And, and like, you want to have a permanent track in the L.A. area um, that's accessible to one of the biggest populations on Earth? I I thought Fontana would have done better. I did. Um, would have done better with him no way. What's that? Would have done better in what way? As far as the proximity to the population. And, um, you know, I have a special someone in my life that lives in Vegas, and she can't believe no one wants to join her for a race. But, yeah, that's a whole other deal. Um yeah, I would build a new track, build some new stands, build it right there off of, uh, what is it out there, I-5? Yeah. See what happens. Interesting thoughts. Okay, let's move on to the next hot topic. What do you got, Jay? Well, sliding up our list here, uh, I guess. Whoops, what happened to my list? Give me a second. I just messed up my phone. Uh, the road course guilty you know, chart up here. Yeah. Okay. The NASCAR is still interested in Chicago. Yep, yeah, in sh- Chicago uh, street course. I guess it's up on uh, J skis. I know we've heard this mm-hmm. before, and. So it's still a still a possibility that's floating out there, and I'll let you guys go around or share it if you want to hit Mike's uh, opinion on that. I, I already did Mike's uh, <laughs> uh, once tonight, so if you want to hit on his. 
Okay, well, let's let Quentin uh, talk to it first, and then when it's my turn, I'll mention Mike's thoughts. Mr. MJ, I am, you know that I'm only four hours away from there. Um, Minneapolis uh, street course that lasted for three years. Um, and my great friend Jim Durhog, part of the sports car racing and one-time owner of the Trans Am series, you know, he's like, I had him on my show, and he said that it will just be a fleeting interest. And I hate to say it that way, but you know, you're going to have two or three years and then it's gone. Just like the original Speedway. So, does that make sense? Well, it's it's an interesting perspective. (laughs) Uh, I'll go ahead and read here what uh, Mike Mike Rizal said. Obviously, course layout will be key, but the absolute disaster that was the IndyCar race at Nashville last year has really cooled me to the idea of street courses. Maybe NASCAR can come up with a layout that provides enough room for stock cars, but if small, nimble cars like IndyCar runs struggled on a street course, I'm really concerned about how a larger stock car would do. Um, that was, uh, I think that's the comment that uh, Jay wanted me to make sure I mentioned to you. Uh, I, I have similar concerns. I think uh, not just for where they would race. Uh, it would be fun to see them racing down uh, Lakeshore Drive, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how safe it's going to be. Um I suppose they could set up some stands along Lakeshore Drive for fans to watch a race uh, through there. But I'll tell you, if you're talking about the streets of Chicago um, and trying to put stands up out there, maybe in Grant Park or somewhere, I don't know. That would be my concern is the safety of the fans on the streets of Chicago for a road course race, for a street course race. Uh, now, I'm sure NASCAR is yes, looking ma'am. into all of that. I'm sure that they are are going to put everything they can into making sure that the fans are safe, making sure that the drivers are safe. Um, Lakeshore Drive might be a possibility because it's a three-lane, three lanes on either side. But if you're talking about the streets in Chicago, there are usually only two lanes. I, I don't places where it's three lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the streets of Chicago, but you're so landlocked with with um, the buildings and everything. I don't know where you'd put the fans and keep them safe. Uh, I like the idea of a street course race. I just want to make sure we keep everybody safe when we do it, and that's, that's the biggest concern that I have. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there's several there, and uh, I don't know uh, which one of us turned over the new leaf, but I'm going to agree with Mike. There's a lot of concern as to the racing product of it. 
Um, and, and I'm not even going to go into uh, as far as uh, the IndyCar results or whatever on that. But for, for stock cars and, and the room they need, the maneuverability and, and passing zones, as you mentioned, yeah, would be extremely tough. And then you get into the thoughts of the of the fans of being able to see the race other than on a closed circuit or TV, which then kind of leads into what Quentin was saying of, yeah, first time it happens, everybody's going to watch it just to see what it is, but is it going to be mm-hmm. sustainable in order to be cost-effective, productive as far as a race, and then long-term of, you know, yeah, once you get the starting lineup and, and whatever, that's how it's going to go that interest is going to fade over time real quick. Like, so my thought there, as you were talking, uh, was that might be something to do like they did for the Coliseum for the Bush clash of a one-time mm-hmm. event, you know, and they'd have to make it big and make it a show for it to be cost effective, but do it as an exhibition or something as a one-time deal, um, get out of it what you can and then move on. I, I just don't see that as a regular uh, race on the NASCAR schedule, uh, no matter where it is. I know we were specifically here talking about Chicago, whether it be Nashville, Chicago. Um, you know, when you talk about what they did at Charlotte, putting the Roval within the track, there you could control it and manipulate it. You know, you can't be moving buildings and taking things out, uh, you know, of, of the road because come Monday it's got to go back to normal. Charlotte doesn't have that case, you know, so that, uh, that comes into play. Um, like I said, I, I definitely intrigued by the concept to me, especially as a race fan, I'm going to want to see racing, you know, one time of, uh, street course demo demolition derby, if you will. Yeah. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch it, but especially for a points paying race throughout the year, I want to see racing, not, uh, I'd say survival, but then we're talking Daytona and Talladega, right? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But then again, I want to come back next year with the season ticket for at least five, ten years. I mean, that's if you're going to do that in Chicago, you better uh, you better commit to it. Well, that's interesting because as Jay was talking, I was I was kind of thinking to myself, how would you manage ticket sales for that race? Because a lot of the areas where they could put seating so the fans could watch that race is on public areas. They're park areas, uh, and people mm-hmm. come and go freely in those park areas. So I don't even know how they would manage the ticket uh, situation for a street race in Chicago. Uh, and maybe they don't. Maybe we they just it. open it up to everybody, but then that's not going to help pay for the purse or anything else. So logistically, We did I that in Minneapolis. And a lot of people, uh, companies were buying packages to, you know, for the attendees. Didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, came to mind. Okay, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, I, I just see it as a logistic nightmare for them, uh, and difficult to manage that, uh, and, uh, and keep fans safe. 
uh, get the ticket sales to a point that they can really uh, mean something. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they make this work. Uh, they did a good job. A lot of us didn't think they could make it work at L.A. Coliseum, and they did. So maybe they'll find a way they to make did. it work at uh, uh, the Chicago street, street course. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think when you, when you look at it from that aspect, you, you both kind of hit on it. For the money, it's not going to necessarily be about tickets because you can't necessarily control that. I mean, you think about uh, even at the Chicago Cubs games, uh, the apartment complex across the road, people are going to sit on the roof to watch it. You can't stop that. So I think that's where, as Quentin was saying, companies that buy uh, buy packaging, advertising with it, you know, whether it be on, alongside a certain what where they put up their barriers or whatever they have, it's going to be advertising mm-hmm. money that's going to generate the most revenue. Um, yeah, certain sections you might be able to sell out uh, or sell, lock up and uh, have grandstands, like you said, and then, yeah, you got to pay to get in those. Uh, you know, how that would work if it's in a public area, not sure. Um, but I think that you'd look at more of a total package of sponsorship revenue, uh, and like I said, it could be on signs that they get put up or barriers that they get put up. From that aspect, I think would be more where the revenue is generated from than individual ticket sales to watch it, uh, as well as then whatever it generates for TV revenue. Um, Like I said, Mm -hmm. I think it might be one they kind of have to look at as a one-off special event, um, at least as the testing ground for it, to see how it comes out. Yes, sir. Uh, You know, and and I'm sure they work with with IndyCar if they really want to look at it, how IndyCar went about it. And, again, they got to adjust then to what it would take for stock cars as far as IndyCar. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm still kind of leery. you know, like I said, I'm with Mike. I want to see a good racing product, not a, just a follow the leader or on the other side of demolition derby, uh, more than once, uh, you know, and I say, I say, <laughs> oh, I'm Lord, you it's a one-time demolition. Now, okay. Yeah, no, a one-time demolition derby, I'd watch it, but guess what? There, there you're going to have the team owner saying, hey, we're done. You know, this this was... Uh, they uh, you know, had what was Speedway anywhere splattered all over the side of a, a few cars last March. They, or last uh, August, actually. Now, it should also be noted that a source told uh, the Sports Business Journal that the site, the working port, hosting the event next year, so it would be 2023, but that the talks are complicated and not yet yet near completion, so they could still collapse without a deal, or we might see a further delay into 24. So uh, just just kind of a word of caution there as far as uh, this is not completely worked out yet. The only, the only final thing I would like to say there is, and, you know, Sharon and I both talked about this, you know, Ben Kennedy looking outside the box, at least willing to mm-hmm. try something. You can't fault them for that, but be prepared to take the loss, and if it don't work, cut bait and let it go, um, you know. And I know they're still trying to get back into the Chicago market. Uh, I don't know what the decision on Chicagoland was or why, um, with that, maybe we just see the return of that, or this is a temporary thing until they come to a deal there. Who knows? 
But I do want to give credit. They're at least looking and thinking outside the box. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can bring up the next one. We we talked about this one. We talked about that one. Uh, teams likely. Did we talk? We didn't talk about this one. Okay, Adam Stern. Ah, okay, Adam Stern is reporting that teams are likely to ask for a bigger split on the next TV pie, and they've hired a media consultant ahead of talks. Uh, the sport is a sleeping, and here's what was said. Um, one of the th- the sport is a sleeping giant, but from the team ownership side, it's very sponsor dependent. And we need to address that. One of the things we've learned is the economics of the sport. And I think the sport is a sleeping giant. But from the team ownership side, it's very sponsor dependent, and we need to address that model. Said Curtis Polk, Michael Jordan's longtime financial advisor and an investor in 2311 Racing Team, co-owned by Jordan and Denny Hamlin. So that tells you where this is kind of coming from. Um, But what are your thoughts about this next TV deal that they're in the works of? And uh, do the the team owners need to get a piece of that pie? So, Quentin, I guess we'll start with you on this one. Boy, you're throwing me up against the wall because the whole – subscription TV is a major issue with me. Um, you know, I I have my nice little office studio over here on the outer wings of the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And you know, I got my free Wi-Fi, my and all that, but the yeah, the whole thing about uh, well, now we're looking at Peacock and um, you know, cable was eighty bucks a month, and now um, the other stuff going along with that is the, you know only going to cost me 10 bucks and 10 bucks and 10 bucks and equals 30 yeah I I'm waiting to listen to your responses okay Jay Well, not being one of the team owners and and on the financial side of it, it's really tough to speak to. But I do hope that teams, and I understand if they feel they're not getting a portion or, you know, looking for more money, obviously that's everybody's goal in racing, um, is to sustain and be profitable. profitable. Um, The one thing I look at, though, is, okay, NASCAR, if they get all the money, say all the money, from the TV deal, they're going to disperse it through race purses. Um, so it is still going back to the teams. Now, 
there you're talking about, well, the same teams get it because they win. Okay, maybe a little bit more does need to go to all teams. I don't know, and I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough because, again, I'm not directly involved when I think about the NFL of the franchise. They get a certain portion. Each team gets a certain portion of the uh, TV deals. But that's under franchising. See, under NASCAR, that's their independent contractors. I don't know what right they have to demand it. Um, other than to boycott. So I'm sure they'll work something out that, that is yeah. at least agreeable. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the teams, especially then the lower funded teams, are saying, hey, give us a little bit more of that TV money because we aren't to a position yet where we can earn it on the track. So maybe the numbers do need to be looked at. Like I said, I, I don't have the numbers on either side, um, and it, you can't even compare it to how everybody gets a certain portion when it comes to the NFL because that's under a franchise deal. So something to look at. They obviously uh, feel that they should be getting or a deal can be worked out. Like you said, they're hiring a media consultant um, to look at it and at least can't hurt to pitch an idea and say, hey, can we get at least this much and then disperse the rest into the purses versus directly only from the purses. The other thing I look at, though, of we've seen it as in the past, NASCAR didn't get a title sponsor for the year or for multi-years like we've seen in the past. So, yeah, they're still getting the official sponsors of, but they don't get that big money from a title sponsor either. So the TV mm-hmm. money is, you know, a good chunk of theirs, uh, I would imagine. Oh, that's so, a whole uh, other. You know, there's a lot, yeah. a lot of layers to it. Yeah, there are a lot of layers to it. And, and uh I think it's really interesting because you brought up you were kind of on the same wavelength as me, uh, Jay, because I was thinking about that too. It used to be you had one sponsor, and that sponsor carried you for a whole season, uh, and those days are gone. You have to have multiple sponsors, and uh, we're seeing a lot more of the sports figures uh, that are coming into NASCAR and becoming sponsors uh, and financial uh, not benefactors, but people who are donating or contributing uh, to different race teams. Um, so this whole model of how these race teams are getting their money has been just so redone, if you will. The whole model has been turned upside down and all around. And, and you brought up NASCAR itself. NASCAR used to have a one uh, company sponsor, uh, title sponsor, and they can't do it on one title sponsor anymore. They've got to have multiple official partners now. So, you know, I, I think that, and I'm sure NASCAR is doing the same thing. You talked about uh, having an advisor that's kind of helping them address this. Um, NASCAR needs to look at that as well. My concern um, through all of this is we don't want to increase the price of our races any more than what it already is. Uh, as long as they can do that and it's still cost-effective for fans uh, to be there because you've got a good thing going right now. Fans are wanting to spend the money to be there. But if you out outdo this <laughs> to the point that it's too cost-prohibitive for fans to take part or be a part of the racing action, uh, that's going to be a huge mistake. So um, that's the only 
yellow flag that I'm going to throw up <clears throat> on this whole idea. I think it's great to put money back into the teams, um, uh, but you got to make sure that that we're not um, losing sponsorship in the big hall over this. So if if you follow what I'm saying. So, Quentin, it's back in your, your ballpark. Me. Karen, you want to do a time check down. before you turn it over to Quentin? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jay. Real quick, Quentin, before we get your thoughts. We're coming up to that part of the show here where we're going to be going off the air at exactly 1030 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, for those new listeners that are tuning in for the first time, I just want to make sure that I um, let you know that when we go off the air, we continue our conversation and we continue recording that part of our conversation, and that's available as part of our overtime bonus material on our podcast. So I don't want to leave anybody hanging wondering what the heck happened here and how do I hear the rest of the conversation here. Uh, You can hear the rest of it. Uh, And what I'll do is I'll go out on on, uh, Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available. And that's when you can go to the podcast player that we have at fanforacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear that bonus overtime material. So, again, uh, don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know what to do uh, to hear the rest of our conversation here tonight. So uh, thanks for indulging me on that. And, uh, Jay, go ahead. Or, Quentin, go ahead. Trying to find out where I'm at here. Um, So... Yeah, we uh, hip. I get hiccups. Um, established that the uh, Monday for Speedway Anywhere was on, and uh, now I've been on the air with. What are your thoughts Fan about for this? Uh... Okay, go ahead. I'm what sorry, are your thoughts about the TV at? talks? And teams that are teams that are likely to ask for a bigger split of the TV pie. What are your What are your follow up thoughts on that? Quentin? Okay, I don't know if we lost him or what's going on here. Okay. Yeah, I don't don't hear him anymore. Okay, why don't you go ahead, Jay, and and, uh, give me your follow-up thoughts. I'll see if I can figure out what's going on with Quentin. Okay, um, yeah, like I said, not seeing the numbers uh, to be able to say, okay, what they're getting now or what they're asking. Uh, I'm sure NASCAR is looking at it, would be respectfully hear them. And, and again, you look at it of it's not like NASCAR can do it on their own. they got to have the teams there, as we've seen with 
what they did with the new car. They want to make it cost effective for the team so more teams will come in and can participate and be competitive. Um, so I'm sure their team is also looking at it of how can we financially support uh, both the teams, the sport itself from NASCAR, the tracks, um, as well as then, Sharon, you hit on a good thing. You can't just turn around and dump it on the on the consumer of then, okay, it's going to cost more to um, – get into a track or you know if it comes to streaming you know we've talked about if they were to develop their own streaming service or how much you charge for that you can't just push all of it to the customer uh, in that case uh so i'm sure they got a smart team uh that's working on that and looking at all the numbers and we'll work with the team alliance or whoever's bringing it forward that the teams need to get a little bit more um and we don't know again of what this package is going to be like, who it's going to be with. So I like the fact that the teams are involved with it, uh, along with NASCAR. And I, I am fairly assured that they'll come to an agreement and a, and a package that works for everybody um, and work it out for the best. Because like I said, NASCAR, we've seen it in the past. NASCAR wants to help all the teams. You know, they're not going to support or finance a team, but they want to do what they can to help the teams as well because without them, they don't have the sport. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Jay. And unfortunately, uh, let me just mention this first. Clinton's call dropped, and unfortunately, after that 1030 time frame, uh, he cannot call back into the show. So um, uh, unfortunately, we lost Clinton. Quentin, uh, you bring up a good point, Jay, um, about uh, – Shoot, now I lost my train of thought that I wanted to bring up here. What was your last thing that you said there? Without the teams, NASCAR doesn't have a sport, if that's what you were going to follow up on. Oh, no, no. I I know what it was. Oh. You're right about NASCAR wanting to do what they can do to help all the different teams uh, that are in the sport. And, And that this sport, we've talked about this before, this sport, the teams help each other. Uh, oftentimes as well. And so does NASCAR. NASCAR does a lot to help keep these teams uh, functioning and and going. So I know that NASCAR does already kind of give back to a lot of these teams um, in in so many different ways. Uh, I understand where this group is coming from. I get it. Uh, I understand the point. I just don't want it to be something that makes it cost prohibitive for the um, fans to be able to see the races. But you're right. NASCAR already does give back to a lot of these teams and wants to see them be successful. Well, I, got, I got no other follow. Yeah, I got no other okay. follow up on this one. Okay. Uh, did you have another hot topic you want to cover? Yeah, as there was one more I wanted to uh, to cover tonight. Um, and I wish we, Quentin would have been able to stay on. And Brian was another one that I know this got talked about, uh, or he had some things on Twitter about it. Where did it go? Qualifying. Um, all right, Sharon, oh, yeah. you're the one that put this up. It's the, the Auto Club Speedway pre-qualifying inspection complete. Um, but I think it ties into a couple things here. Uh, we can tie it into one. This was a, as far as how many failed pre-race inspection had to go to the back. Kurt Busch actually failed 
three times, I believe, and had yeah, had to start from back, lost the crew members. But yeah, he did the pass through. So uh, talk about it from that aspect. But the other aspect of just in how they did the qualifying format, and I, I can tie that into why I say that still falls under this of uh, teams starting from the back. Okay, yeah, just to kind of give some uh, background to this, uh, the cars of uh, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, B.J. McLeod failed twice. They lost their pit selection, and then the crew member from the team was ejected, car chief uh, Nick Case for the number six, car chief Taylor Graff, Tyler Graff, and so on for all these different teams. Uh, and then the number 45 of Kirk Bush failed inspection three times. So this is pre-qualifying inspection. Uh, he failed three times and will not be permitted to qualify. He'll have to serve a pass-through penalty at the first opportunity after taking the green flag. And a crew member was ejected, and that was car chief David Bryant. So I uh, know Mike's comment on that was uh, so much for the Gen 7 car re- reducing tech bust. Um, that's a lot of cars that are still trying to push the envelope, if you will, uh, and this is before they even qualify. So, But NASCAR has taken a, a stronger um, uh, approach here to how they're approaching some of these things, and they're trying to catch these things um, so that it is is not uh, going to be an issue of um, un- illegal cars being on the track, and they're trying to, to address it. But these cars are still trying to, to get through tech inspection, um, and NASCAR is trying to put a stop to it. I'm not sure that the penalties that they give are really strong enough uh, to keep them from continuing to try it. Um, they're always on the hopes of, you know, I always hear these stories about how you do one thing, you know that's going to get caught, but then the, there's a chance that they're not going to catch this secondary thing that they did. So um, they do something really obvious to get caught uh, so that the, they can get by with the less obvious thing. I think NASCAR needs to really... Uh, get stiffer with the penalties here. And and we saw them do that with the L3 penalty. If it gets to an L3, uh, they're not going to be eligible to compete in the playoffs. So I don't know. That's just my initial thoughts on it. I'll follow up later. But, Jay, what are your thoughts on this? And, and if you can share some of the things that Brian had to say. Well, okay, uh, that'll go to the qualifying format. But, starting with that, it did seem like there were a lot of, um, like you said, pre-race uh, problems. Pre-qualifying. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Pre-qualifying uh, inspection problems. Going through the line, not being there and being directly involved. I don't want to be prejudging, uh, you know, if it's, are they trying to push something or is it something with the new with the car that they're just not understanding? Uh, I know, I think it was Kevin Harvick's that they said whatever they fixed caused the other issue uh, on the rear end uh, of a height, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we've seen that in the past of you're trying to 
fix what wasn't right, um, and it it adjusted something else that you didn't catch. So I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily trying to slide something by NASCAR. Not to say teams haven't, and we know that. And I think I put that out there of no matter what the rule is, you know, you're going to have teams that try and push the gray area, uh, you know, right up to the line, not just within tolerance, but right up to the line as close as they can get it. Uh, we've seen that. And, yes, that it's kind of a necessary evil, as I see it, of, you know, to be competitive, to find speed that the other, other teams don't. You know, you've got to try something. But, yes, if it's, if it's over the line and, and blatant or dis, um, very uh, obvious, NASCAR said, hey, you know, especially when it comes to certain items, um, and I know I'll say the tires, and obviously that, that one just came up, but that was a little bit different. It was from a safety aspect, and they agreed with that and moved forward. Um, we'll have to see if that L3 penalty comes into play throughout the year because I think they have said, hey, if, if we have to, we will stop you from being in the playoffs to prevent the uh, we're going to keep trying and see what we can get away with because uh, you're right. I think they do want to try and get away from that mentality. With that, though, there were a couple that, I think we're listed as going to the rear because of unapproved modifications. And Brian's mm-hmm. issue was the uh, single car qualifying and, and then two groups and then the final round being too much. And I know it's a, I watched all the practice and I got a little confused by, by some of this and there's something I don't like with it. They have the, the practice session and then qualifying uh, all in one time frame, and I think it was a 20 or 30 minute uh, time limit. So the drivers and Kyle Busch, and this is where I think Kevin Harvick came into play. Okay, 15 minutes. Like I said, I couldn't remember what the time window was. But during that, if you wiped out during practice and had damage where you had to go into the garage, you were making unapproved adjustments, which then put you to the rear without a qualifying time. Um, that's what I didn't like. Because then that means you've got to have a perfect and absolutely uh, mistake-free practice session because it leads directly into qualifying. There were only certain adjustments you were allowed to make on pit road, and if you had to go behind the wall, it couldn't be monitored or you, know, you were doing more than what was approved. I don't think they ought to limit that then from you being able to take the qualifying time. So I like the format as it was, and to, to, to talk to Brian with that, it's kind of the, to me, dirt track style. You had two groups. They split it into two groups, and I don't – that was one of his things of why you needed the metric uh, process to, to get into those two groups. However you want to divide them up, you know, he referenced the old pill draw, you know, one or two, uh, red or white, but whatever you want to pull to, to be in group one or two, took the top fastest five for me to them. That was their final five. I like that format. I just didn't like the fact, like I said, if, if somebody had an issue in practice and had to change something more than what was in the approved uh, specifications on pit road, then they didn't even get the chance to qualify. But that might be what provided for some of the better racing, as we mentioned, guys coming from the back. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. It did give us uh, that, um, and, it, and uh, that was a, definitely a good thing. Um, I kind of liked it uh, on the surface. I, what I didn't like was the 15-minute practice. I think they need more time 
than 15 minutes to practice. Um, and I, I heard a few of the drivers mention that as well. 15 minutes of practice really didn't help them to set up their car. So uh, that would be the only issue that I saw. I think what they're trying to address is when we've talked about watching qualifying in the past, there's been terms like it's comparable to watching paint dry. I think they're trying to make it more interesting. And so uh, I think it did accomplish that with the format that they did. I kind of liked it. What it is is they had the two two sets, A, A group and B group, and those groups were set up through the metric qualifying. I, I hear your point about uh, it, that could be done differently, and I have no problem with that. Um, but I think they wanted to keep those groups evenly matched, if you will. Um, and then those two groups went through the the two-lap quali process. The top five drivers in each of those groups went on to the third qualifying group uh, of, that determined the top ten drivers and where they started uh, for the race, including the pole sitter and the whole front row thing. So what I liked about that is that if you had something happen during qualifying, you got a second chance to go after that pole. And I thought it made the whole qualifying process a lot more interesting to watch. I I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I I had no problem, I guess, if they wanted to come up with one more practice time or two, if they wanted to come up with the A group and the B group in a different manner. And maybe they will. This time they did it according to the metrics. But who's to say that next time they might not look at what the finishing order of the race was uh, to determine how those two groups are set up for the, for the next race. So to me, I thought it was a lot more interesting to watch. Jay? You're right. I think, and I think they were still trying to stay within a, a total of, what, one-hour time limit. That's a guess on my part. Um, I think you're right. I think they could get a little bit more – actual practice time in especially with the new car and california having been the way it was we hadn't raced on it for two years um i know they use the tire dragon and some resin yeah i think a little bit more track time i'm not i'm not in favor of going back to the you know two sessions on friday and three on saturday where you're spending hours and again money saving time or saving money for tires and crews being there getting it all done in one day the, the one thing I can speak to, to with this of Brian mentioned, mentioned specifically the pill draw, and you, you hit on it. It is to try to keep at least even that first split into two groups competitive. Uh, a lot of places will have a, for dirt track uh, that I'm familiar with, a practice session. From there, the first, third, fifth go into one group, the second, fourth on down, so that you have top to bottom um, in one group. That way you don't have all the fast guys. You don't, by a pill draw, you could end up with all the fast guys. So you could be exactly. seventh, eighth, quickest in group A, and you would have been at the top B, um, but because of the pill draw, you didn't have any kind of separation based on that. Not that the metrics doesn't fully do that, you know, based on that track, because it factors in your points position, you're finishing the last race, 
and then your quickest time, I think, uh, from the practice session. So I'm okay with them doing that. I'm okay with them. Even if you, like you mentioned, say, going strictly from the results of the last race. Okay, well, somebody might have been running fast, but had a had an accident or was involved in something True. a late problem, kind of messes that up. So that's why they only put that as a portion in this metric system. Um, doing it that way with everything they calculate into that metric system, I think, does give a you know, solid for the year, you know, how have you been running constant consistently throughout the year or, you know, from previous. So I do kind of mm-hmm. like that. The only thing is fans don't understand it. They can't go, okay, I know where he's going to be because, because there's so much involved and it is uh, true calculation. So that's the only thing is that fans really can't relate and understand it or figure it out themselves. You know, you put up the timesheet of, these were your fastest 30, they can go, okay, one, two, or one, three, five are going to be in group A. I know where my guy's at and where he's comparing. You know, that's, that's the only detraction from that to me. And, and like I said, the pill draw thing, yeah, it's quick and easy and real simple. But then, like I said, you might end up with the 10 fastest guys all in the first group and everybody else in group B. Then when it comes to final qualifying, you already know, hey, the top teams are coming out of this group anyhow. Right, and but the other uh, the other side of that is you might have some of the drivers who aren't normally up in that top ten at the start of the race um, have a chance to be up front uh, at least for that beginning. But we've seen it happen so many times where a driver uh, starts at the front, but if they don't have the car that they need to have to compete with the cars that are up front, they're going to fall back anyway. Or get or get run over, and the reason uh, the reason over, again, yeah. I, yeah <laughs> um, one of the things that I don't know if you're familiar with Sharon of of certain tracks or series use passing points, and that comes into play if you have all the faster cars for the weekend already in one group. You know, you may have a fast car, but if you, you're not going to get any passing points if you're with the other five fastest, you know, to start with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, heat races and the passing points from the heat races, if you're in with all the fastest cars to start from, whereas somebody that in a second heat then um, one fast car in that one can start at the back and get all kinds of passing points it's really not fair, uh, completely fair. And that's where I think they were looking at. I really think they kind of took that model, like I said, from your local, whether it be asphalt or dirt, local short track racing of how they set that up, which, and again, that's why I kind of liked it. And I think there is a a connection there of going back to the grassroots racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what they're attempting to do. Uh, with this whole qualifying, calling it heat races, uh, it's it's different rounds of uh, qualifying. I think it's confusing in the beginning because uh, we've not seen it done like this before. Uh, but to me, it just brought another intriguing aspect to qualifying and made it a lot more interesting for me to watch qualifying. Yeah, okay. I, I think it did it did accomplish that for sure. Okay, so we're coming up, uh, we might be able to squeeze one more in, but if not, I'm okay with that too. Did you have anything more you wanted yeah, no, to squeeze in? I didn't, uh, I think we had gone through uh, 
Well, the next one up on the list is a picture of a crow. Mike posted that himself, so we'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> Love you, Mike. Yeah, he, he ate quite a bit this last couple of weeks. But, no, I think we're uh, we're good for the night. Okay. Well, then that's uh, good. Uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable here. Um, and... Um, Talk about what's coming up at some of the tracks you're working with. All right. Well, uh, you can follow me first off, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully, weather permitting, it'll be your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway for our opening week this weekend. If you're a little further to the east here in Mississippi, Chris Crichton will be the dirtiest voice in the South. will be at Why Not Motorsports Park, House of Hook, Battle of the States, which will include the Mississippi Street Stock Series. And this is March 5th. I know we're going to talk a little bit more on Thursday and lead into some other things, but Montgomery Speedway is running the, I think it's Alabama 200 uh, super late model race. Uh, so that'll be happening over there in uh, Alabama. And... Like I said, that's going to lead to some other things down the road. I don't know when Sharon's ready to announce that. Yeah, we'll hold off on that for now. Um, All right. But, you know, it just occurred to me, too, that uh, I did not give you a chance to give a fantasy update. Oh, all right. Let me pull those up real quick. I know I had them saved up and ready to go. Um, Screenshots. Once, here we go. Let's see. We'll start with uh, the truck series. We only got the one truck race in so far, Daytona. Uh, Andy took that one, so he's got nine points. Sharon, seven. Sam, six. Tommy, five. Mike, four. I got to be on this list somewhere, aren't I? <laughs> Owen, three. James, two. There, I got a one. And Brian got a zero. And I'll thank Brian because he actually got first pick and took the guy I was going to take. So now the mm. Xfinity series. Uh, two races in there, two race winners picked already. Brian is on top at 13 points, but Andy and James have 12. I'm at 11. Mike and Sam are at eight. And Owen at five and Tommy three. Sharon, you are on the list with two. Tough start to the Xfinity <laughs> series there for you. No kidding. That's pretty rough. Uh, cup side. This one, I've kind of... and. I play with this so much during the race, even as a, each stage, uh, how how it changes throughout the race. Uh, I play with it while I'm watching. Uh, I had a bigger lead until Reddick uh, wrecked out, but I got 31 points. Brian's at 25. James, 22. Sharon, 21. Owen and Sam at 20. And Tommy at 20. Mike's at 14. And Andy, even though he's not picking Briscoe every race, uh a little lacking on the cup side at 11, but overall that puts me at 43, Brian at 38, James 36, Sam 34, Andy 32, Sharon 30, Owen and Tommy at 28, Mike 26. So about two-point gap most of the way down, and that's after wow. only, what, total of seven, eight races total maybe. Right, right. Well, I have to, uh, hopefully I made some good picks for this week. You know, uh, we're racing all three series this week at Las Vegas, right? 
Uh, yep. Uh, let's see. And well, we still got a couple minutes. Okay. Let me pull that up real quick. I know we got uh, some of the picks in. I don't think the truck series. No, we don't have any from the truck series in yet. Uh, the Xfinity series. Owen has Daniel Hemrick. Sharon, I don't know that you normally take him, but you took Noah Gregson. Uh, a couple of people <laughs> were wanting him actually this week, and aside from Mike. And then Tommy's taken Josh Berry. And then on the cup side, we've only had one input so far, and that is Owen took Ryan Blaney right out the gate. So still building that up uh, for this weekend for Las Vegas. Okay. Well, I took uh, Gregson because that's his hometown, and I know he really wanted to get that win at Fontana. He was so close. Um at one point, yeah, you thought he was going to maybe pull it off. But uh, I think he's going to be going all out at Las Vegas, his home track. Well, and statistically, when I looked on racing reference, statistically, yes, you took the top guy at the top of the list. But uh, like I said, I wasn't worried about Mike taking him before me because he don't care if he's the best ever. He ain't going to take him. So I wasn't worried about Mike, and you <laughs> came in there and got him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, and I am, of course, Fan for Racing site on Twitter. We are Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, fanforracing.com. Um, and uh, we had uh, Sam's uh, recap has been up for both the Daytona and the uh, race here at Fontana. I don't. Yeah, I think we're good there. Um, Owens had a couple of uh, power rankings up already, and uh, we'll look for more from him. And uh, definitely just really looking for the season to kind of get rolling here as it is and really excited about what I've seen, and I can't wait to see more. Um, We are... uh, Thankful that you were able to be on our Hot Topic Sound Off tonight and that Sal was here to help us for the first part of the show. Uh, a shout-out to our guest, Joe Graff, Jr. He had a great finish at uh, Auto Club Speedway with his 15th-place finish. He's uh, looking to carry that momentum into Las Vegas this coming weekend. Uh, so keep your eye on Joe Graff, Jr. out there. And, um, and listen to the interview that we had with him. He talks about the partnership with Stuart Haas Racing this season and being able to work with teammates like uh, Cole Custer and Chase Bristow this season and uh, some of his sponsors. He's got some cool sponsors. Uh, Bucked Up Energy, uh, a big partner of his for several years now, uh, but he's also got uh, uh, Court uh, is also a big uh, partner this year. And he talks about his friendship with him and that he's known him for quite a while. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so definitely uh, check out the uh, section uh, starting at the top of the second half hour uh, with uh, Joe Graff, Jr. And uh, we are working on a guest for this Thursday show. Uh, we'll be on Thursday for the preview of the races out there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And... Uh, uh, Brian is uh, working on that. Well, I hope to hear from him uh, sometime within the next day or so who, who that guest is. And uh, we'll definitely are looking forward to uh, 
having a good sh- preview show on on uh, Thursday night as well. So we're into March already, starting tomorrow, Jay, and uh, the season just keeps rolling on. And uh, I've really liked what we've seen so far. I can't wait for the rest of the year. All right. Well, and I know you told you to hold off on that. So uh, just get, like I said, leave that little teaser of the uh, Montgomery Speedway race. But I will tell you this, I already got us one for March 24th as well. And uh, I won't give any hints to that one yet at all. But I do have somebody. Okay. Okay. Well, you can let me know offline, and then I'll put it on my uh, spreadsheet here where I'm keeping track of all of our guests. And uh, I appreciate you working ahead there. Yep, uh, that one I just, uh, I think it was about two hours before uh, before I came on the show that I got confirmation on that one. I'm super excited about that one as well. Well, if you're super excited, so am I. Uh, so a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in tonight. We appreciate each of you, and uh, we hope you'll tune in again for our show on Thursday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. With that, I think we're ready to call it a night, Jay. All right. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you Thursday as we preview Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, baby. (laughs) There we go. Talk to you Thursday. (laughs) Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.